Welcome to Life With Your Dog podcast. Our focus is educating dog owners, enthusiasts and dog trainers about ideas on how to train, manage, live and thrive with our dogs. To teach dogs to live in our society while our dogs teach us how to live in the now. I'm your host Panos Anagnostou. And I'm your co-host Luke Badman. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another Q&A episode, Life With Your Dog podcast, Panos here. Today I have a question from Matt Bennett. Thanks Matt for your question. So I'm going to read it out for everyone to know what you've exactly asked. I want to read it word for word. It's a little bit long, but it's good to get some perspective. Hey man, my name is Matt. I heard of you from a podcast I listened to. If you're able, I need some advice. I have an eight-month-old German Shepherd cross Marimar who loves to bark. It's not usually a problem at night as she's locked up in her kennel at home. However, I'm currently visit some, visiting some family with her and she's barking all through the night and keeping everyone awake. I've tried having her on a leash and in a kennel here, but she either still continues to bark or cries just as loud. Any help is appreciated. Thanks heaps. So there's a few things going on here in regards to barking and you've got to be a little bit more proactive about how you manage her. So I have had a little bit of dialogue with you and if you're going to listen to this, then you obviously know that, but I have um, spoken to him and said, you need to most probably start crate training your dog. If you are going to be traveling with her and she does have some separation related distress, then it's probably good that if you can teach her to sleep inside of her crate and that way there, first of all, your dog doesn't have to be outside in a place that she doesn't know or in a kennel that she doesn't know. She's in her crate. You can have that inside the garage, inside the laundry or even inside the bedroom where you're sleeping. And this doesn't have to be a long-term thing. This can be in, um, intermediate until you can then get her to be outside with the other dogs or in her kennel or whatever it is. So start doing your crate training from home. So after this trip, because right now, you know, like you haven't set yourself up, you haven't had enough repetitions of the behavior that you want. She's already stressed in, in the new environment. You're probably preoccupied by doing things. So then to start training her now can be a little bit difficult, but we will go through a few things to what to do. What right now, now I know I'm recording this on a Wednesday. This will go out on Sunday. So I don't even know by the time you listen to this, you're probably back home. Who knows? So crate training. I've talked about that in other episodes. You can listen to that. I may dedicate a whole episode to crate training itself, but, um, do your research, start doing some crate training, have a crate big enough for her that she's comfortable in, start doing it with short repetitions and reward her when she's calm, when she's when she's quiet. You let her out only when she's calm and she's quiet. Don't give her any of that attention while she's making the noise. Now, we know that you said that it's not, you said it's not usually a problem at night when she's locked up in a kennel at home. So again, I don't know. When you're saying kennel, I'm not sure exactly if I'm envisioning the exact same thing. When you say kennel, are we talking about a big run, like an actual kennel, or are we talking about a kennel outside in the backyard where she goes into to keep her safe from the elements? So two different two different meanings of the word kennel can get a little bit confusing. If you mean an actual outdoor run where there's like walls and a door and you put her into a kennel and that's where she goes, well then you're essentially doing the same thing with your crate training. So do and and then if you're talking about if it's in the backyard and you've got a, a kennel where the dog goes into on its own on her own so then she can be protected from the sun or protected from the the water, the rain or from the wind etc. Well then again 
I don't know what the um it, what it means there. And then again, when you're saying kennel in regards to when she's at your family friend's house, again, not sure. But if you can crate train, well, then you're covering a lot of issues, first of all. And these are the reasons why I like crate training. We've probably mentioned it before in other episodes, but we're always going to be overlapping. Number one is that you're teaching your dog that's the place that you've got to be. That's the place where you be, where you rest, you, you go to sleep of a nighttime. And it's a consistent thing. The crate can be moved into different rooms, different areas, but the consistency is the crate itself. Um, so when you are to be, when you are going to move to a different, um, location to your friend's house, family house, etc., you've got the crate. The dog knows the behavior. You go in there, you lay down, you go to sleep. All happy days. I, as I said before, I'd probably start if she has like, you know, if she's struggling a little bit, well, then you want to be able to have her maybe close to you, maybe put the crate in the in the bedroom that you're sleeping in. And that way you don't have to wake up all the neighbors and keep your family awake the whole time. And then um, that'll probably help with, with for your next visit. They're probably going to want you to come around rather than saying, hey, leave your dog behind because my neighbors complained last time you came. So that's one good thing. Now, having her in the crate, you're dealing with toilet training, you're dealing with destructive behavior, you're dealing with her not having to jump on the couch or run around the house and things like that. So you're doing that crate crate training and having her inside of the house or inside the room where you are can be good because then you're easy to be close to her, you're easy to take, give her the chance to go to the toilet and you've got that control. So crate training is good for so many reasons. It's good for, for that good management but also that consistency amongst going different places. Now... And I have mentioned it before about when you are to go to different places, you want to go on a holiday or when you want to take the dog with you, that crate is really good. And you can see how now it's manifesting into another question here and you can see how it's applicable. So that's really good that it can reinforce that. And in regards to like how to crate train, etc., I'm sure you can contact me directly or anyone can contact me directly. I may even do a whole episode on, on crate training on its own. All right, now... Another good thing about using the crate as well is that when you are to be traveling around or going to different places or even when it's at home, you've got her there, you're able to take her out to go to the toilet to um, to stop her from destructive behavior, but you've got her close by where you can reward her or you can find where she's starting to get a little bit stressed out. You can can monitor that. You can see where she's at. You know, you can see her body language. You can see how if she's getting restless or not. Where if she's out in the backyard, you don't know. And all you can hear is the barking. So that can be hard too. Now, um, why does the dog bark? This is the most important thing. Like we talked about management. This is good. But now we're asking, why is your dog barking? Have you been reinforcing that behavior? Have you, when she barks, do you come to? Because it says that you have her on a lead and she's inside the kennel at the same time. So... That's why when you say she's on a leash and she's in the kennel, I'm assuming that she's in an actual kennel, like a run, rather than an outdoor kennel. So what does that, I'm struggling to understand what that means. You're on a leash, she's on a leash and she's in the kennel. So what are you using the leash for? Have you tied her up in the kennel so she can't run around the kennel? Do you have it there so you can go and give her a correction and you've got the lead ready to go? So not going to be confusing. Just be careful. If she's in a kennel and she has a leash on, which means that she probably has, she's probably wearing a collar, you just don't want that to get caught on something and then she tangles herself up and then she chokes herself out. Um, a lot of dogs die like that, so just be careful with that. Um, and I'd be careful about how you're trying to correct. If you're trying to correct her, she doesn't see it as some sort of reinforcement. So you've got to be really careful. Now, I think 
as we know from all of our episodes we talk about, we have 1.6 seconds to make the connection between the dog's behavior and its consequence. That goes for both reinforcement and for punishment. So you need to be savvy enough to identify or for her to identify what behavior she's doing for her to get a either a reinforcement or for her punishment. So what I would do is, number one, understand when she's barking, are you rocking up and saying, well, I don't think you've written her name here. So let's just call her Luna, okay? So you go, hey, Luna, no more barking, stop it, blah, 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 and then you walk away. Well, if you haven't followed through and you made anything aversive, well, then you've just reinforced the behavior. So she goes, what the hell? You've gone back inside, bark, 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 bark. You rock up and then you tell her off again. So if you're telling her off, if you're giving her, if you're trying to give her an aversive event, make sure that it's an aversive event and then you try to cut out the behavior altogether rather than going there, shouting at her or talking to her, trying to stop her. So this is where a lot of people go wrong with with um, trying to stop barking. I would then also think about how are you going to reinforce her for being calm and quiet? So, and also then how are you going to punish her? So talk about reinforcement. How about while you're at your family friend's house, you put her into the kennel and you have all of her dinner and you don't give it to her inside the kennel. You have it in a pouch. You put her in the kennel, you walk inside, you wait. I don't know. Again, I don't know how long she's waiting until she starts to bark. Let's just assume that she barks after a minute of being on her own. So then you go inside, you wait for that 45 seconds. She's still calm and quiet. You go to her, you use your marker, yes. And then you give her some food, either put your hand through the, the, um, the kennel and give it to her, or you can just chuck it out into the kennel. So then it's on the ground. She eats it. The good thing about scattering food on the kennel floor is that it discourages them from going to the toilet because dogs eat on the ground. They go, why the hell will I want to pee here? So you're doing two in one. Chuck of the food, you walk back inside, you wait the next 45, 45 seconds, a minute. You know, you, if you can see her, if you've got a baby camera, then that makes it easier. Then you go back, you reward her, and then you let her out when she's calm and she's quiet. So now we call this successive approximations that we're moving closer and closer towards our goal. The goal is that she stays in there for an eight-hour period, no barking, no carrying on. She stays there until she gets let outside. So then you need to start with the one minute, then you want to move to then two minutes, then you want to move to five minutes, then you want to go to 10 minutes, 20 minutes, and you want to ba- basically gradually get closer and closer towards those that longer time. Once they can do around about the hour, you're safe to say that they can go a lot longer. It's that first hour where the dogs start to stress out. Once they learn the hour, then we're good. Now, before I talk about how to punish the behavior, how to try to stop the behavior, we need to start thinking about, well, what's her exercise routine like? Have you been training her that day? Has she, um, has she been stimulated and fulfilled appropriately? You know, she's a marim across the German Shepherd. I'm thinking she's a high energy dog. So, um, so make sure that she goes for that one hour walk before she goes into that kennel. Make sure that you're doing a training session before you put her into the kennel. Or even while she's in the kennel, you can then bring her out of the kennel. You do a training session, you bring her back in. So make sure that you're fulfilling her mentally and physically before you put her into a strange environment, a strange situation. And that could probably be the reason why she's barking is because if she's not tired and she's full of energy and she's trying to get your attention. The reason why I wanted to say that before I talk about how to punish it, because maybe she's not barking for your attention. Maybe she's legitimately um, got some sort of separation distress or separation anxiety, and that could make things a little bit harder again. 
if she's got anxiety and, and you're just trying to reward her, it may not be enough. So you need to come up with other ways. That's why the exercise can help with fulfilling her before she goes into the kennel. Um, and also she looks forward to something that's happening before. Now I'm just assuming that you're not just for the purpose of other listeners that they can think about these things. And, um, and if she has separation distress and you can see that she's actually panicking, then that's where the crate comes in handy because then you can use a crate close to you and then over duration of time, weeks and months go by, then that can get further and further, the crate can get further from you. Um, and then we can go back to then going, all right, now we want you to sleep outside in the kennel, for example. And in terms of correction, punishment, I'm careful to give this advice to the to everybody, not, not because I'm against using punishments, because if I give you advice on one dog that I've got envisioned in my mind, but your dog's completely different, and then you may be overstressing your dog um, when you shouldn't be, or you're not using the right sort of correction. So just keep in mind that this is a general answer. I, I, I'm going to move my bottle, keep on hitting it. <laughs> so um, I really want you to just be aware of if you're going to punish the behavior, make sure that you're doing appropriately. Make sure you're using the right intensity and your timing is is on point. If you don't have those three things, then your correction may not be a correction. It may just be an event that your dog finds as conflicting, stressful, and then it may not even stop the behavior. So be careful with this. That's why we start with lower intensity first, and then we move closer towards other other other. Um, choices of punishment. Now, again, with all of this Q&As that we do and all of the advice that we give out there, if you're really having a problem that you can't fix on your own, I always recommend finding a balanced trainer in your area, in your um, somewhere where you have access to have that one-on-one in the flesh sort of training because that's going to be the best. Like I haven't even seen the dog. I don't know anything about her. So I'm giving it just a general answer. So that could be a bit hard. That's why I'll make these a little bit longer than like giving you a two minute answer of crate trainer. That's it. See you later. Because I'm going to give you, because I want you guys, whoever's listening, I want everyone to start becoming a thinker. I want them to start understanding to that there's going to be commonalities between all of different behavioral issues and ways to fix problems. There's everything's very much connected. So using a correction, I'll give you an example of what I would what I used to do with, okay, I'll just use one of the dogs that I used to look after. Um, and she was with me for a big block of duration of time, like three weeks or something. She was in my yard. I had her in the back section of my yard. I split the yard in half. So I've got a pool fence. So on the other side of the fence is where the dogs that I look after until I can trust them to be in my area with my dogs because I don't want them digging holes and banging on the door and, and, um, and barking, destroying my house, etc. So I have them in the back section there for during the day where my dogs are as well. And she'd be at the gate barking, barking, barking. Not She's not stressed. I can see that she's not stressed, that she has separation, anxiety or, or distress. She's just purely trying to get my attention, which they can overlap as well, obviously. But let's just say she's in, she was in the backyard, she was barking. I would then, my first point of call would be, I wait for her to stop barking and I go and reward her. So that's all well and good. However, how long do I have to wait and how annoyed do my neighbors have to get before she stops barking? That could, If it's two minutes, I'm happy. If it's 20 minutes, I'm not that happy. So I waited out. She stops barking. I go on and give her my attention. I have to at least wait for at least 10 to 30 seconds of calm behavior before I give her my attention. 
I don't make it overwhelming. I don't go back to her and go, hey, my God, hey, and get overexcited. I go there very calm. I either give her something that she wants, food, or I go there and I give some some sort of attention. Then I leave again and I repeat it. Now, if I find that that's not working and she goes, screw it, I'm going to keep barking because eventually he'll come anyway and she doesn't see the connection of her not barking. So then I would then, standing in the laundry where the door is, she bark, 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 bark. I open the door and I give a verbal correction. Uh uh-uh. And then I walk up to her and what I would do is I would either with my hand bang the fence really loud. So a nice long bang like that. I hope that wasn't too loud on the, on the microphone there. And I do the verbal before I do that. Now, some dogs don't like being, um, hearing the bang on the fence because it can be very loud and can startle them. So if that works good enough, that's, that's awesome. But you've got to make sure your verbal becomes, comes before you give the physical. Now, I would let that happen for some time. And then, of course, I'd still be mixing in when she's calm and she's quiet. I'll still go and reward her or give her some attention. But that correction had to be consistent. Then what would happen was if that didn't work, my next step would be then I would, have to see if the dog doesn't like getting wet. So if a dog likes being sprayed with the hose, well, then you shouldn't spray with the hose. Um, the good thing about a hose is that you're not hurting a dog. You're just wetting her and it makes it uncomfortable. So in this case, a dog didn't like being wet. So I had the hose ready to go. It was turned on. It was on the jet setting. She would bark. I'd go, uh-uh. I'd go to her and then I'd spray her straight to the head. Um, and nothing extreme, not trying to like freak her out. I'd probably hold it for about a second or two. I'd put it down. I'd walk away. She had to stay wet for the duration of when I did this um, after the correction because it adds to the punishment. Of course, if she's calm and she's quiet, I'll go and reward her. And then last case scenario is then thinking, all right, I can't deal with her in regards to using these sort of corrections. I may need to go and think about using a barking collar because I've got a life to live too and I can't be standing in my backyard this whole time where I've got work to go to, I've got other things to tend to, etc. So I would either use, um, look, I personally would have used a citronella collar. You make sure when you're using a barking collar that it detects the vibration of her throat and it detects the sound of her barking simultaneously. So it's a dual action. Um, the dog has to, the, the collar has to pick up both the vibration of that individual dog's barking and the sound of it together for it to give the correction. So using that together will um, make sure that it's that dog that gets corrected, not the dog next door or the dog next to her that barks and then she gets punished. That's not fair and that's not doing what it's supposed to do. So the good thing about using the collar is that it has nothing to do with you, has everything to do with the barking and it's always on the dog and its correction comes within one, even before 1.6 seconds of the bark. So it's very clear. The dog barks, and the dog gets sprayed. Now that's, some dogs don't care about getting sprayed on the face and they keep barking and then they empty it out and then it doesn't become um, useful. So you've got to be careful. And there's a way of showing a dog how to get used to wearing um, the collar. What I would do is I just put the barking collar on her, go for a walk, put the collar on her. For a day or two, if it's your own dog, you just get her desensitized to the collar. Um, so then she doesn't associate only the collar. I want her to associate her barking. But looking after the dog, and normally the dog probably wouldn't be barking at home like in her own home, but because I'm looking after her and it's the first day or two, um, it's just it's a new stressful environment. She can be a little bit just um, confused. So I don't care if she associates the collar with the barking because it won't be a long-term thing. And every time that I've used a barking collar, it hasn't been long-term. I've used it for like four days maximum. And after that, I don't have to use it because the dog understands. All right, back to um, using the collar is that it's on, she barks, she gets corrected, happy days. 
you still want to mix that in with reinforcement, exercise, training, fulfillment, because that's the important part. When you're tired, then you want to sleep. You don't want to stand at the door barking. Um, now, there's other sorts of barking collars, and it's up to you to decide what's most appropriate for you and your dog. Um, there's ultrasonic ones. There's ones that vibrate. I think those two are least um, effective. And then you have your your um, your e-collar, the one that gives stimulation. Um, those work really well. And I personally haven't had to use them very often. I have seen clients that have had them, so I've guided them through how to use it, and it's effective. The dog barks a total of like five or six times. The dog doesn't bark again. All good. Um, but you got to use the right level. you got to use the right. So I'm saying if you're going to go down that path, make sure that you're hiring a dog trainer that shows you how to do it. Don't just go and wing it. Don't get a dodgy brand. Get a good brand. Make sure you do it correctly. Um I'm not too concerned about the physical pain. I'm more concerned about if the dog doesn't know how to use it or if you haven't used it correctly, you've gone too high of a, of a level, then the dog just freaks out. So, But if used correctly, it's really, really good because the dog then doesn't have to stress out. Barking doesn't have to be a problem. Then council isn't coming to your house and your neighbors aren't going to be at war with you. So every, don't, don't ban the tool. You, you, you educate the fool, right, <laughs> sort of thing. You want to be able to use the tool correctly. So... um. That's hopefully answers your question. Um, barking's a, a, a complicated one because you've got 1.6 seconds, you've got to be there and there to make the connection. If you've been reinforcing the behavior, then of course it's going to continue happening. If your dog's stressing out, you need to learn how to deal with separation, distress, and anxiety um, as well, and that's a whole other conversation. It sounds here that your dog's just a little bit confused of what to do, so you need to come up with a couple things. The way that I explained it was a progression of where I'd go, and... Um, and remember, barking collars is always a last resort. It's never my first thing that I go to because I don't want to have to rely on the tool. I want the dog to understand the behavior is not appropriate and you want them to be calm. Because again, remember, barking is a manifestation of a state of mind. If the dog's stressy or if the dog is being a brat and, and being, and is attention seeking, then it's going to come through barking. So you want to deal with the state of mind. You don't want to have to deal with the barking. So with, with the dog that we looked after, she was a Samoyed, and she would come into our house very often, three, four times a week. Um, her name's Bella. She's a Samoyed. Did I already say that? I'm sorry. So she's in the backyard. She's a local. She always comes. She doesn't bark. She doesn't carry on. She was playing with dogs at the back. I had like four or five dogs playing. And one of the new dogs barked, and straight away you saw Bella look at the at the door. Now she knows that if I'm home... And I hear a bark, I'm going to try to correct it because I don't want anyone to know that I've got dogs in the backyard because I don't want my neighbors to be annoyed. Um, and it was interesting to see that. Another dog barked, but she was waiting for me to come out. Now, I don't, like, she wasn't like stressed when she saw that, but it was interesting because I was watching through the, the, um, the laundry what was happening. Now, that dog didn't like only bark that one time because, you know, they're playing. She got over aroused and she barked at the other dog for its attention. It wasn't an, an excessive bark. But because she's been around for so long and she learned that, well, this you don't do that here. Um, and everyone can live happily and, and play together for, for the time that they're staying with us. So it's important that you you can see through the dog's body language, does the dog understand the behavior or not? Now, Bella never used to bark. Maybe she used to bark maybe for the first time that, you know, she had to trial it out. But um, but you also want to be aware of how you're correcting the behavior too because you don't want to be affecting other dogs. Now, Bella looked, but she didn't like look and go, oh my God, Panos is going to correct me or anything. So make sure that you're clear with what you're trying to achieve and you're being proactive before you go away with um, with your dog again. So 
Hey, Matt, hope that answers your question. Um, if anyone else got any questions on this episode, put in the comments below wherever you're watching this. You can email us straight away, um, lifewithyourdogpodcast at gmail.com. You can go on our website, lifewithyourdogpodcast, and then you can leave a submission through there and, and contact us. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. So hope that answers your questions. For any other future Q&As, please don't hesitate to contact me and... Have a great day and we'll speak soon. Thank you very much. Take care. Thank you for listening to another show of Life With Your Dog. Please like, rate and share if you're enjoying our podcast. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. For all dog training videos, tips and techniques, visit nooches.com.au. Thank you and stay tuned for next time.